0: Welcome to the Watershed Teaching Podcast. Watershed is the high school ministry of Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Perimeter Church is part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Watershed is a place where we hope high school students would connect, receive, and transform. We want to see students connect with God and others through help the community, receive His truth through gospel-centered, grace-based teaching, and be transformed by the gospel to then go transform their world. Thank you for downloading this podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.perimeter.org watershed So for those of you that don't know me, my name's Chase. I'm a resident on staff. Some of you know that. Some of you know me as the really angry-looking guy that wanders around. Um, I was reading that some people believe we wear characteristics of God on our face. A lot of y'all wear God's love on your face. A lot of y'all wear his kindness on your face. He gifted me with wearing his wrath on my face. So I promise I don't hate you. I want to be your friend. I just look like I might kill you. Um, So, um, thanks Weston. Um, so this is going great. Uh, So sermons are like sandwiches. (laughs) Everyone has their own way. They like their sandwich to be some people, like like a whole sub with lots of meat and veggies. God forbid you want olives or like any other sauce. Some people like really small sandwiches with just a little bit of like barely any meat, maybe some cheese. Some people don't like sandwiches at all. Um, I'm not a sandwich maker and I'm certainly not a pastor. Um, and so while I don't have a sermon for you, um, I do have a story. Um, and I think this will illustrate my point Uh, really well. What I'm speaking on tonight is what does a disciple of Christ do? Last week, Emilio touched on how does one become a disciple. I'm talking on what a disciple does. And while my story is not one that reflects me being a very good disciple, unfortunately, um, I've met some men who were great disciples, um, who have spoken into my life and walked alongside me, and I'd like to introduce you to them. They're not here. I'm just going to tell you about them. So let's rewind the clock. Chase is a freshman in high school, and I'm like the little teapot, short and stout, right? I didn't have really any friends. Um, I was pretty lonely. Um, I hated school. I was growing to hate church. Um, And enter the first guy, a guy by the name of Lowell. Um, None of y'all know Lowell. Um, He was on staff here for my freshman year of high school, and that was it. And he would be at breakfast club every week, and short and stout, I loved food. So I'd go to breakfast club, but I also loved Lowell. Um, and Lowell loved me as well. I think he spent a lot of time with me, and um, we're talking one day, and he asks me, "Uh, Chase, what's your favorite time of the day at school? And I told him literature class, because I love to read, and he said, that's interesting. I thought you would have said lunch. Now, all things considered, looking back, that might have not been the kindest thing he could have said to me, but I was kind of like, okay, that's funny, I guess. And then the next day at school, I walked down into the cafeteria, and when I explained to him why that wasn't, my, my, my favorite time of the day, I said, Lowell, listen, um, classrooms are safe. People don't really pick on you in classrooms. They can't touch you, certainly, but they can't really say very much unless it's a whisper. And there's teachers there, so you kind of have this, like, public school guardian looking over you. But the lunchroom is just open season. And so every day at school, I was that kid that ran to the lunchroom like this, <laughs> To get food before everyone else. Um, And the reason I did that, sorry, I'm parched, um, was because if I got my food and I scarfed it down fast enough, no one could talk to me. Because in the lunchroom, nobody wanted to talk to me. And the only thing that hurt more than the loneliness of no one wanting to talk to me was the people who did, who wanted to hurt me. And so the times that I I didn't have time to, to, to just scratch down my lunch and go to the media center, which is like the, library there and play games on the computer I would go to the bathroom stall and I would sit there and I would eat and I would wait both because it hurt my stomach really bad because my stomach's terrible but also because I was trying to flee everyone else and I shared this with Lowell and he said buddy I'm so sorry and the next day I'll never forget I'm gonna cry walking into the lunchroom and there he is like a light in my darkness And he's surrounded by popular kids, right? So I'm like, there's no way that guy's going to want to talk to me. And I'll never forget eye contact. He said, yo, Chase. And he ran over and he sat with me. He didn't bring me to the popular group. He came for me specifically. And it, man, it broke me. Because for the first time, I felt like I had seen just a little bit of what the gospel was like, of God bridging heaven to earth, and this guy being like, no, forget these guys, I'm gonna come sit with you. And we talked about Guitar Hero, and we talked about RuneScape, we didn't talk about the gospel very much. But he left and I felt loved. It's like those little glow-in-the-dark things you have to hold next to a light, and then when the light goes away, it glows. I was like that, but he wasn't on staff for very long, and that glow died out pretty quickly. And I was back to feeling lonely. Enter the next guy. Some of y'all might know Griff Moody. Griff Moody is the most southern redneck man you've ever seen in your entire life. I mean, every time I see him, he's like, hey, buddy, and, like, walks over. Like, that, that's his type. He was an ex-pro golfer, right? He hunts. I'm like, I don't want to shoot anything. Take, uh, no. And so we had all the differences in the world. <coughs> And as I went through high school, Griff was my D-group leader. And I never, (laughs) I remember meeting him and being like, oh boy, here we go. This guy's not gonna get me, he's not gonna understand me, and he didn't. Um, But Griff did his D-group a certain way. You see, Griff knew everything about me. He knew the things I was looking at I shouldn't have been looking at. He knew the things I was smoking that I had no business smoking. He knew the things I was drinking that I shouldn't have been drinking. But he never addressed me in light of those things, ever. It wasn't like I showed up to group and he was like, how was this week? Mm, no, all right, uh, that doesn't sound like water. Mm, oh, your poor lungs, you know? It wasn't like like he was keeping a tally of accountability with me. And don't get me wrong, we did talk about those things. But Griff would greet me with a, how are you? And I'd tell him, I'm fine. And he'd say, no, really, how are you? And I'd say, I'm not fine. And he didn't, this is what Griff taught me. Right through four years of high school in his d-group, growing closer and closer to him, he taught me a critical thing about discipleship. And, that's, and he was the only person who had ever treated me like this. He showed me that I wasn't a problem that needed solving. I was a person who needed loving. And I fear sometimes we get that wrong when we interact with other people in the world. And through high school, as Griff walked with me, At the end of my senior year, he got to see something incredible. He got to see a heart of stone begin to melt and start beating. And he watched me come alive in Jesus. And that group ended, and I went and worked at Camp All-American for the first time, and I came back, and he was like, God has transformed you. You're totally different. Lead this group with me. And so I co-led a discipleship group with him, but he moved from being my primary discipler to more of a mentor and a friend. Goal. Enter the next guy as I graduated high school, a guy by the name of Tyler Beggs. Let me give you a picture of Tyler really quick. Picture Aslan from the Chronicles of Narnia, right? That's a good thing to have someone say about you. But imagine Aslan, like 40 years later, became a human and retired. That's, that's how Tyler Beggs was. He was like Winnie the Pooh with a beard, right? <laughs> like a print, Like a kingly yellow beard. And Tyler served a different purpose. Where Lowland Griff loved me and showed me that I had value. I already knew I had this value at this point. And Tyler showed it to me, but the God used Tyler in a way that hurt but was good. I'll never forget sitting across from Tyler at a hole-in-the-wall Mexican place over in Norcross in tears and saying, Tyler, I'm so lonely. No one wants to talk to me. No one wants to be my friend. I have nobody. Even the people in our D group want nothing to do with me. And he said, I know. And I said, uh, what? He said, I know, and I can tell you exactly why, but I don't think you're ready to hear it. And I said, "Uh, I might not be ready to hear it, but I want to hear it because I'm so tired of not having friends. And he looked at me, and this, it was like he shot me in the chest with a shotgun when he said this. He said, Chase, I want you to know I love you, and I like spending time with you, and I desire you. And I want you to hear this in the fullness of love when I say it. You are the most arrogant person I have ever met in my entire life. Now, he was very clear, not one of the most arrogant, the most arrogant. And he began to walk with me and show me what humility looked like by example. And I'm about 0.01% more humble now than I was then. Um, But that journey started with Tyler, and then Tyler left. He stopped leading that group, and this is probably my favorite one because it's the one where I look the worst. Um, Connor, if you're in here, Connor Hodges, I'm so sorry I didn't tell you I was going to talk about you in this. Um, so we're, my D group and I, the nerdiest group of guys you've ever met, like we talk about the math behind video games, right? Like we, le- we read the backstories of video games type of stuff, right? Like next level nerd, and in walks Connor Hodges. Let me paint this picture for you. Bunch of nerds were just like, ooh, dragons, you know? <laughs> and in walks Connor, who looks like a frat house, became a person. <laughs> Right, in walks Connor, he's got his forward, it was like Clemson or Auburn, one of the two, hats forward, he's got his polo shirt tucked into the short khaki pants, he's got the dad tennies with the white socks, (laughs) like, he walked in and I looked at Jonah, my buddy who's here somewhere over there, I think, Um, and I looked at him and I was like, buddy, this is going to be a catastrophe, this is going to be a disaster, and it was. It was a catastrophe, and it was because of me it was a catastrophe, because Connor introduced us to a series on biblical manhood, every young man's favorite series, right? But it didn't talk about don't look at porn. It didn't talk about any of those types of things we normally talk about. It talked about passivity, and saying that Adam watched Eve eat the apple, but did nothing. And as we talked about this series and what it meant to be passive and do nothing and make no progress and just be idle as the opposite of how God has intended men to be, It attacked everything I was. And I hated it and I hated Connor for it. Because I was playing like 50 hours of video games a week, cutting work to play video games, staying up late, drinking Coke. I still drink too much Coke. This is the first water I've had in like a month. But yeah, I'm making progress. But that group ends and I treated Connor terribly with contempt, with anger, with frustration. And I like briefly apologized at the end of that group, but it wasn't like a real apology. It was like, hey man, sorry, I was kind of mean. Okay, bye. And then we left. Until two years later, I'm walking around my parents' basement in circles just like yoked, right? Like I am wired. And it's because three hours before, I had asked the love of my life to marry me. And I was reflecting, thinking, how did I get here? What on earth? Two years ago, I was like bumming out on video games and now I'm getting married. One, I'm terrified. I'm so underqualified. Two, how did this happen? And I thought of Connor and that series. And I realized the Lord had taken (coughs) that series and let it sink into my heart. And I called Connor. Thank God he didn't answer because I cried the whole time. But I told him, Connor, that series and you're the reason I'm getting married. I didn't see it at the time. But all of that truth, those nails that stuck into my chest have been removed. And with that bleeding came healing. And I became closer to who God intended me to be. You know, and I look back over this. I look at Lowell, who showed me that you, you have to actually go to people to love them. And Griff, who showed me that people aren't problems to solve. They're people who need to be loved. And Tyler, who showed me that hard truth can only be delivered in love. And Connor showed me that God will use people that are totally different from you to teach you these things. And two days before I got married, I was in Carol and I's, at the time, basement apartment. And I was furious. Like, God, why did it take 23 years for these pieces to pull together? Where were you this whole time? You could have done this my freshman year of high school. I could have gone to a four-year school, met Carol there, You know, like had a college degree or something that's important. But it was like a wave hit me as I thought over truth of that God works all things to our betterment and that the Holy Spirit works through people and that we're the hands and feet of the church. And it was like he said, buddy, you've missed it completely. Did you really think that that light you saw in Lowell was him? No. It couldn't have been him. That was me working in him. I'm the one who sought you out. Do you really think this big red, nice, you really think this big (laughs) redneck guy who used to make an untold amount of money playing golf wanted to hang out with some pothead high schooler? No. That was me working in his heart and transforming him and drawing and tore you chase. I eat pizza with you every Sunday. I'm the one that showed you that you're a person and not a problem. And then the hard truth of Tyler, do you really think he could have delivered that without my love? Absolutely not. And good heavens, you treated me poorly through Connor. You're still getting married, aren't you? Because I'm gracious. Let's throw the scripture on the screen so this isn't just a TED talk. Firstly, Matthew 22, 37-39 says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind. Uh, and all of your strength should be in there some way. This is the great first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Give me the second one. Rapid fire scripture. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three. The greatest of these is love. Pay special attention to this because scripture also says it is by grace you have been saved through faith even greater than the faith through which grace saves you is love. Give me the last one. And y'all saw this last week, John thirteen, thirty-five. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You've heard my story, now I want to talk about your story. I have to word this carefully. The culture you live in within Christianity is not healthy. It's this like twisted, Judeo-Christian, moralistic, legalistic, you have to perform, you have to do, you have to do, you have to do. I don't want to go to church unless they're giving me something. That's not what this says. And to be clear, this is the most important teaching of Scripture. This is the heartbeat of the gospel. You know, we look around. When have you ever seen someone in your school be like, I said no to marijuana this weekend and everyone was like oh praise the lord like no that doesn't happen that doesn't happen but what does happen is people see this People see your love for one another. When you stand like a light in the darkness in the middle of your lunchroom and people are drawn to you like moths to a flame because you have a love that you don't deserve and you can't express and when they ask you why, you say, it's not me, it's never been me. It's always been him and he desires you and he wants you. This is the heartbeat of the gospel, not the rules. Now the rules matter because scripture also says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, but that's not the centerpiece, this is. Next point. There's two types of people in this room. There's people in this room that when I talk about the men that I've encountered, and I talk about this love that you can show to people, cause make no mistake, you're the church. It's easy to look at these men and be like, yeah, well they were grown and like had a salary and like could do stuff. When I grow up, I'll be able to do it. You are the church now. Mary had Jesus when she was like 14. You're the church now. You can be this now. And this is desperately needed now. There's two types of you in this room. There's people who when I talk about this type of love, you go, man, I feel pretty good. I probably should show this to people. And there's way more of you in this room that hear this and think, I desperately wish someone would love me like that. You know, I've heard I played the cross for a while, and there's this analogy of keep your head on a swivel. Everybody, keep your head on a swivel. And I've used that um, as a way to identify hurting people. When we talk about this, have love for one another. We tend to think, ah, let's look for a short and stout chase in high school. Let's look for someone who's hurting, who's on the outside. Yes, that's important. But I'm going to let you in on a secret. Are you ready? Look around you. Seriously, look around you. Don't just don't stare at me. Not worth staring at. Look around you. Everyone's hurting. I don't care where on the spectrum you exist, whether you're the popular kid or whether you're like me in high school. Everyone on this spectrum needs this type of love. Our vision for watershed is watershed loves. And I I hear a lot of things that people say, I think God gave me this. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe. I really believe this was given to Emilio. Because if this is the heartbeat of the gospel, why wouldn't it be the heartbeat of our ministry? Do you ever, I often wonder, how well I know God? Kate gave a talk a couple of weeks ago, and I forget the guy that said this, but somebody had said, how well you follow this, how well you love the people around you, is in direct correspondence with how well you know God. Which is tough, because I treat people pretty horribly. This is a daunting task, right, to look at going into your schools and loving your neighbor and loving people. It's a terrifying thing, especially when you're so busy. So there's two things. First, I'm going to tell you something. The last thing is a step, like an action step, because we're a Presbyterian church and we have to have application. First thing is this. You cannot do this without the Holy Spirit. You can't walk into your lunchroom and, like, rip open your ribcage and release the light of the Lord for everyone to see. That's not how it works. You need the Holy Spirit, and he needs to be transforming you. If you haven't seen that transformation, talk to someone. Because this will happen if you love the Lord. Second thing is this. I'm going to give you, this is my last thing. Man, I'm going to hit right on 20 minutes. This is the last thing. And this is so easy. And take this from someone who's never really had many friends. Sometimes people forget they exist. They exist. When no one talks to you, when no one thinks you're important, it's easy to fade into the background noise of everyone else's world. There's one word, one word that opens the door that lets them enter into your story and you enter into theirs and you begin to have relationships like I had with Lowell and Griff and Tyler and Connor. This word is a weapon that loves people word is this hello just hello because that light will begin to shine when you show people their value every one of these men showed me my value and with that i got a little taste of who jesus was and it took 20 gosh like 20 years for me to come to know the lord and was it the direct result of these men no god doesn't need us but it's his joy to use us And I think if you were to ask these men if they take joy in the way that they walked with me, I think they'd tell you yes. This is not just an instrument of other people's happiness and other people's salvation and walking with the Lord. It's an instrument of your happiness. And so I'm going to ramble, and I'm over time. So the last thing is just that. Just hello. Pull people in to the reality you're living in. And show them this. And love one another with me. Father, I pray that you would give us eyes to see the people around us, ears to hear the people around us. You would give us hearts that are on fire for loving our neighbor, that we would see not just the people that are hurting, that we would see that everyone's hurting. I pray that this week would be different, that we would love people differently, and that we would see people differently. God, we give all of this to you. We pray this in your name.